Hello and welcome to the West Road and Wesley Community Church Listen Again podcast. We are delighted that you're joining us. Our prayer is that what you hear today encourages you and builds your faith. It's online, just delighted to be able to join you again. As Ian said, my name is David Oakley and I'm the senior pastor here at West Road and Wesley Community Church and you join us on the second to last session, if you like, on this series called I Will Follow, because we all follow somebody or something. And so what we're doing is a bit of a comparison, saying, is Jesus the one who's worth following? How does following him exceed anything else or anyone else we can follow? And what is involved? And so today we're talking about having a real hunger within us in terms of following Jesus. So a question for you to start this morning. When was the last time you were really, really hungry? When was the last time you were really, really hungry? Perhaps you'd done some great exercise, you'd run a marathon or something and your stomach was just aching. Or maybe you'd put in a great work shift and somehow because work was so busy you just hadn't been able to eat. But just try and remember, try and remember that physical hunger, that ache here. Because this is what we're talking about today. But it doesn't just have to be a physical hunger, does it? Sometimes we can hunger for some ambition. We could hunger for a new job or we could be so driven and motivated to achieve a new outcome. This hunger almost becomes this physical ache within us, something within our guts. And this is what I want to talk about this morning. Do you have that kind of hunger for following Jesus? Do you have that kind of ache for the things of God? If we were to have it on a scale, one to ten, one is, well, can't really be bothered. Ten is absolutely ravenous for the things of God. What would you give yourself? What number would you be at at this point in time? Or compare that to last year or five years ago. Where would you be at? Because... We're going to be serious about following Jesus. There's got to be this feeling in our guts, this motivation within us to pursue him. Why? Why should I be so hungry about following Jesus? Well, I'm going to give you three reasons this morning why I think following Jesus should be something that's expressed through hunger. First of all, we're going to see you're going to be fortunate if you're hungry for Jesus. You're going to be blessed is that word. You're going to be well off, if you like. And secondly, there will be that sense of fullness. When you're connected with Jesus, it won't always be hunger, hunger, hunger. Eventually, there will be that fullness and satisfaction. And thirdly, there is fun in the future. That's something good to look forward to, some fun, something to celebrate. All starts from this physical ache and pain in our following of Jesus. So let's remind ourselves, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? We use this word that's used 200 times in the New Testament, a disciple. Someone who is disciplined in terms of following Jesus. And I've put up there on the PowerPoint this lifelong hunger to be trained and develop in the things of God. Three aspects of that, being present with Jesus. That's our starting point if you want to be a follower of Jesus, enjoying his presence. We celebrated a few weeks ago Easter. Yes, Jesus died, but he rose again. If he rose again, he is alive. And he's there, and he's given us his Holy Spirit so we can enjoy his presence. Are we hungry for his presence? 
Are we hungry to become more and more like Jesus? It's great we can be present with him, but are we becoming more godly, more Christ-like? That, again, is part of our drive and our hunger. I want to be more like Jesus than I was a year ago. I want to be more godly compared to five years ago. And I want to be on more on purpose with him, carrying out his plans, his purposes, and his ideas for this world. So these are three aspects, if you like, about following Jesus, presence, person, and purpose. And I hope we as a church embody it. Ian talked earlier about the way we're giving. You know, we want to be a Christ-centered people. We want to focus on Jesus. We want to be present with Jesus. We want to become more and more like Jesus. But it doesn't just stay there. It is with the hope and the desire to see transformation in Berry and beyond. It's that getting on purpose. All these things can pour in out as we think about being hungry for the things of God. In order to help us unpack those three benefits of being hungry, we're going to turn to an ancient book, a book of Luke. And uh, Luke is a rock-solid, history-changing epic of the life of Jesus of Nazareth. It's written, as you like, for an outsider. Luke wasn't a good Jewish boy. Luke wasn't writing for a good Jewish audience. He was writing for a Roman governor, so he's very accurate in terms of his history and the scientific and historical approach, if you like. And so it's a great epic book to read. And we're going to jump in at chapter 6, where we see this sermon that Jesus gives. It's a sermon full of little pithy sayings, very black and white And there's going to be no doubt what Jesus means. It's the application that becomes quite difficult. And some of you Bible scholars, I know there's a few in here and there's a few online, you might say, well, those words sounded really familiar that Ian read to us. And you'd be right. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 to 7. Very similar words, but actually subtly different. These words are more physical, whereas the words of Matthew seem to be more spiritual. In Matthew, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Whereas Luke just says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor who hungry and thirst for righteousness. Whereas Luke just says, just hunger. So in a way, I've found these words incredibly challenging. Because as somebody who lives in the West, somebody who lives in Bury St. Edmunds, nice Bury St. Edmunds, do you know what? I'm not poor. I'm not hungry. I don't weep that often because life here is pretty good. We're so well off. We're so blessed in so many ways. And so sometimes reading these kinds of words makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable because it really cuts to the chase of what is our priority. Jesus seems to be calling for this radical, distinctive way of living that money, materialism, all those things, riches are not going to be our God anymore. But Jesus is going to be our God. Jesus is going to reign. Jesus is going to rule. And this is the application that will come out. So the teaching's really going to be clear this morning. We can't hide away from it. It's very black, very white. And it's just a question of us getting stuck into that application. So let's get in there, hey? Here we go. Luke chapter 6, verses 20 to 21. This is what Luke says to us. Looking at his disciples, Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. 
Have you ever been told in your life to count your blessings? It's one thing my mum used to say, you know, when I was a miserable teenager. Don't say nothing's changed, David. Seriously, my mum used to say, come on, son, count your blessings. There's food on the table. You've got family. You've got this. You've got that. It's a great exercise to do. So if I was to ask you today, what do you feel fortunate about? What would come to mind? You might say, David, I'm fortunate because I can come back to church. I can enjoy being with other people. I've still got a job. I've still got health. I've still got, and we fill in the dots there. There's so much in which we're fortunate. But on your list of things where you're counting your blessings, I bet not one of you would put being hungry, being poor, or weeping as my blessing or my fortune. Oh, God, I'm so grateful I'm hungry. I'm so grateful I'm poor. I don't think any of us would put that down on our desire list when it comes to blessings and being fortunate. Yet, this is exactly what Jesus says. He's turning things upside down. He uses this word, blessed. Blessed is one of those beautiful Bible words that just have so many levels of meaning. It's a bit like I've brought in a red onion today. The great thing about onions, isn't it? You can just keep peeling stuff off. Look at that. That's come off. And guess what? There's even more underneath. As I keep peeling layer upon layer off, the onion almost gets better and more moist. And this is what this word blessed is very similar to. Your first layer would be happy is another word. But then he uses terms like, it means terms like to be envied. People will look at you and say, wow, I wish I was you because you're blessed. It means thriving. It means well-being. It means all these kinds of growth ideas as well. This is what Jesus is saying. If you're hungry, if you're poor, if you're weeping, you are happy. You are to be envied. It doesn't make any sense on the outside, does it? Why would Jesus say these things? Well, actually, I think it is because if you're hungry, if you're poor, if you're weeping, I think you start to look outside yourself. You start to look to God when you're hungry, when you're desperate. It's no longer about what I've got. It's about what I need from somebody outside of me. And that's where Jesus steps in. You are blessed when you connect with me. You are blessed when you connect with God. You are to be envied. Even though on the outside, life looks desperate because you're poor and hungry, there's something of that sense of connection with God that takes you onto another level that means happiness and blessing, particularly in the future. So we've got a choice in a way to choose the way we're going to live. Aren't we going to choose to be comfortable, well-fed, rich, actually no need of God? Or are we going to choose to really be pretty desperate and hanging on to God because that is the blessing? And I think this is one of our challenges of living here in Bury St. Edmunds or living in the West. People don't need God. For daily living, people don't need God, do they? Let's be honest. They've got good jobs. They've got nice houses. They've got the NHS, if anything goes wrong medically. They've got probably a lovely pension, nice car. Kids go to nice schools. We don't go hungry. We don't feel that poor compared to so many parts of the world. But as a result of that comfort... Where is the desire and need for God? Where's the desperation? 
Tough decisions to make, brothers and sisters. People here of Bury St. Edmunds. Because every expectation of life here is get to that comfortable place. And yet, Jesus is saying, no, it's the opposite. Be desperate for me. Be desperate for me. Somehow, start to make some lifestyle choices that means you start to be dependent on me because that is the place of blessing. So that's our first challenge. If we're hungry for God, we're blessed, we're fortunate. But also he promises this sense of fullness or satisfaction. Let's emphasize these words in verses 21 and 25. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you'll go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. So we see this offer. There's an offer of fullness. There's an offer of satisfaction. When was the last time you felt really satisfied or full? Perhaps you had a fantastic meal or something. Perhaps you had able to connect with some family in the garden. You just thought, it's been so long since we've seen you. Or you've c- completed a great project and you just have a sense of satisfaction. And that's good. That's wholesome. The problem is it doesn't last, does it? You have a great meal, but eventually you're going to be hungry again. You achieve one project and you think, oh, what's the next one? Jesus seems to be offering something eternal, something that's going to last, something that's going to count. But it's really this future benefit, this time delay, what you have now versus what's going to come in the future. This future satisfaction for what is going to come. Jesus says, live for the eternal. Live for what I'm going to bring in the future. Let that be your focus. Let that be the center. So if you like, blessing is the anticipation. Not necessarily the receiving, but the anticipation of what it is to come. So you experience something now, and Jesus is offering something better in the future. He goes, live for that. Anticipate that. Hang on to that. That's the blessing, because you've got hope. You've got a future. You haven't got it all already. There is something more to look forward to. And I find that really exciting. That sense of anticipation of future. It's great in Jesus. I was reminded, I was just trying to think, how could I illustrate this? And uh, my lovely wife, Kerry, last night, she did a beautiful lamb roast dinner. How good was that? We had the Yorkshire puddings. We had the full works last night. It was great. It wasn't even a Sunday roast. It was a Saturday night roast. It was great. I've got to be honest, my wife does a brilliant Sunday roast. And it's not just the eating of it, it's the anticipation of it. You know, because it takes a couple of hours, doesn't it, to do a good old Sunday roast. But it goes in the oven, the joint, the chicken, whatever goes in there, and the smells start to come out across the room. The anticipation that you're going to get this great meal. And it sort of puts a smile on your face as you walk around the house, you can smell it, and then, wow, something good's coming my way. This is the kind of anticipation we're looking for with Jesus. There's something good coming on the way. Can you smell it? Can you anticipate it? This is what God's got in store for us. Yes, hungry now. Yes, struggling and difficulties because we can't find satisfaction here on earth. But anticipate that great future. Because the problem is, if we just live for what is now, enjoy it. Because that's all you're getting. There's nothing else to come. Whereas in Jesus, we've got so much more to come, so much better to come. 
And this takes us on to our final point. What fun are we looking forward to? Listen to these words. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Woe to you who are well fed now. You will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. So is this future. So a question for you. What fun are you looking forward to? Lockdown's easing, isn't it? So what are you anticipating? What do you want to do as things ease up? You might want to meet with family. You might want to go and do something, participate in your hobbies, Sizewell Hall or something exciting like that. I must admit, one of the fun things I'm already enjoying, and some of you won't like this, is I'm going back to football. Oh, boy, have I missed football. I can't see any of the big games yet, but Saturday mornings, going along to Hardwick Heath, watching my son play. The, first, the only won their first game yesterday. I haven't cared. I've just loved being out there. Just the grass, the ball, seeing all these other kids playing, seeing the sense of joy with the other dads, helpfully instructing referees on what they should blow their whistles for. You know, I've just missed it so much. And I'm like a big kid in a sweet shop on a Saturday morning. I love it. It's something I've really, really missed. Please, after all we've been through in this last year, you've got to schedule some fun in there somewhere, haven't you, in these coming weeks, in these coming months. For your sake of yourself, schedule something in that you're going to enjoy. Get back to something that's going to help you connect. And Jesus is going to promise us something even more and better than that. He uses two quite extreme words here, the word weeping and the word laughing. The word weeping is very much linked to grieving, very much that sense of mourning, that sense of loss. It would be that, almost that sobbing, that blubbing that would come out when you've lost someone really close to you. You know, it's uncontrollable. And then the opposite of that, the word laugh that's used here, this isn't a little sneaky giggle. This isn't a little snigger. This is a proper can't-stop-belly laugh is the picture and imagery here. So you go from this absolute extreme of mourning, weeping, and sobbing, but then Jesus says in the future, I'm going to give you something really to celebrate and party and have fun over. What a contrast. This is what's on offer. This is why you can be blessed if you connect with Jesus. So the challenge is, what are we weeping about now? If we're going to enjoy that laughter, that fun, that celebration in the future, what is breaking our heart right now? I suggest three things straight away. should break our heart, should cause us to cry, should bring tears to our eyes. I would suggest just the sheer impact of COVID. That should be a bit of a heartbreaker. I don't know what impact it's had on you. It has had an impact on me. You know, I've lost some of my extended family, a couple of uncles have gone. But I've still got a job. I've still got food on the table. I've still got relationships intact. So I've taken a bit of a hit, but compared to many others, their pain is so much greater. And as I've phoned people and connected with people, spoke to them on the doorsteps, you just hear these stories of anguish coming out as a result of COVID. This, we shouldn't be immune to this. It should cause our hearts to break. It should bring tears to our eyes. I'd also suggest, secondly, the state of ourselves should cause us to weep at times. <laughs> we talk about following Jesus. We talk about, oh yeah, I want the presence of Jesus. Yet the reality is I'd much rather switch a box set, a box set on off Netflix. 
and say, yeah, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be Christ-like. Yet so often I just resort to being like me, a bit selfish, and it's all about me. Talk about being on plan and on purpose with God, carrying out his plans and his ideas. And yet so often I'd rather sit in my armchair with my slippers on and take it easy. Ah, fall so far short of God's wonderful standard. It should cause me to weep at times. And then, of course, as we look at our town, we look at our world, Bury is a lovely place, but get behind those front doors, and I guarantee there is pain, and there is hurt, and there is suffering. Does our heart break for our fellow man? Just chatting with Mrs. Shondaraj this morning about what's going on in India. I saw the statistics yesterday on the news. Wow, my heart just dropped. We've been talking about, oh, things opening up. Over 300,000 every single day suffering with COVID. Wow. Our hearts should be breaking. Remember a former church up in Salford, Manchester, during the 90s and the noughties, we had these great movements, these prayer movements around Manchester. And uh, regularly, every couple of weeks, each church would open up their church hall and host big meetings. And our church hall was a little bit bigger here than West Road. And, you know, we'd have four, five hundred people piling in to pray for our city and our town of Manchester. And they're really moving times. But I remember one lady in particular, she shared that she'd been crying out to God to see, feel, and hear what he does when he looks at Manchester. And as she prayed that prayer, she shared a picture, a prophecy, a vision, if you like, of one of the tower blocks in Manchester. And she heard what was going on in that tower block. And she said all she heard was screams of pain. She asked God to see, feel, and hear what he hears, see, and feels. And she got this vision of a tower block and Manchester and the hurt and the pain. Wow, when she shared that, that just drove us to our knees even more to pray, to make a difference in our city of Manchester. Because we didn't see that, we didn't hear that, we didn't feel what God feels. This is where the hunger's got to come from. This is where the weeping's got to come from. This is what we're trying to align with today. So, hopefully this morning hasn't been some academic theological exercise. There's got to be some action. What is God saying to you? What is God calling you to do as we think about hunger? As we think about the choice of the permanent, the eternal versus the temporary material. Which way are we going to go? And then some practical things there I've suggested. Are you asking God to help you rediscover your hunger for him and his plans? Are you on your knees saying, God, I need to get hungry again about the things of God? Got to be honest, during COVID, I've been really hungry for God. Why? Because I haven't got a clue what's been going on. (laughs) In terms of leading a church, I tell you, my Bible college master's degree hasn't helped me one single bit in leading a church during COVID. I've been involved with church over 50 years. I've been serving in church over 40 years. I've been leading churches for over 30 years. Small churches, big churches, churches in England, churches overseas. Churches are very quiet. Churches are swinging from lampshades and all sorts of things. You name it, I've seen it with church. I can do church for fun. Been there, done it, seen it. But when COVID hit, didn't have a clue what to do. 
drove me to my knees, desperate. No matter what I did, no matter what I decided, it seemed to be wrong. When we opened up, I got people telling me, David, you're killing people. When we didn't open up, David, where's your faith? Drives you to your knees. I'm worried as we come out of COVID, we might lose, I might lose that desperation for God. Oh yeah, we're back to normal church. I can do this, I can do this for fun. I've been doing this for decades. We'll just crack on like before. Oh, what a loss that would be, hey? What a loss that would be. Where's the hunger? Where's the fire? Where's the desire? And God, keep me desperate for you and your church and what you're planning to do. God, help me to feel the pain that you feel. Help me to hear what you hear for my town. So I'll get up outside, out of my comfy settee and go and make a difference for you. Have that compassion and that mercy to be part of the solution for this town as we come out of COVID. This is what the church of Jesus Christ should be. We should be part of the recovery of this town. Why? Because we believe in a God of restoration. We believe in a God of transformation. Are we hungry for that? And perhaps we just need to physically begin to feel this again. I'm suggesting there, do some fasting. Start to miss out a few meals in the day and start to pray. When you feel that ache, when you feel that hunger, and normally you go to the kitchen, well, go to your knees in prayer instead. Can we rediscover that physical ache for God? And I believe as we do that, we'll start to experience the blessing, that fortunate, that fun, that sense of fullness as God's people. And of course, the person who embodied all this was Jesus, certainly when he went to the cross. And this is why we take these elements, what we call communion. We've got bread here, juice here, because they remind us of Jesus and his hunger for the things of God. He was willing to accept God's plan and go to that cross for you and for me. And as I look at that cross, I see that we're fortunate. I see that it's full. I see there's fun there. You might say, David, what on earth are you talking about? That was horrific. But look at some of the outcomes as a result of what Jesus did as he reminded his disciples to celebrate communion. Let's read Luke 22, 19 to 20 as we finish off. Jesus took bread. He gave thanks. He then broke it. He gave it to them and saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do you see how fortunate we are? We're included. Jesus gave the bread to his disciples. You're part of my family. You're part of the family of God. You're included. As a result of what I did on that cross, you're now in, if you like. Do you see the fullness that's there? Jesus paid the price in full. There's nothing else left for you and me to do except say thank you. Thank you. Jesus paid for it all. And then do you see the fun? This new covenant in my blood. Why fun? We're forgiven, we're restored, we're cleaned, we've got an amazing future. This was all achieved at the cross. This is what we belong to if we're in Jesus. So please, join me. Take some bread. Let's eat. Let's give thanks for that body 
given for us. Also, we take the cup, the symbol of the new covenant, this new deal, this new agreement, this beautiful wedding we're going to go to in the future, the great wedding banquet where we're the bride and Jesus is the groom. What an amazing future we've got. Take, drink, and give thanks. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us to get this stuff right. Somehow, we've got to get this hunger thing right, Lord God. We're surrounded by so much things that make us comfortable here in our current setting here in Bury St. Edmunds, in our Western lifestyles, with our values and culture pressures. God, help us to conform to yours. Help us to hunger and long after you. Help us to weep over our own failure and the pain and hurt in our town and beyond. Help us to get on track with you, Lord God, to be part of the recovery and restoration you want to bring as your kingdom comes, as your will is done here on earth. Help us to truly follow you, Lord Jesus, I pray, in this coming week. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So check us out on social media at West Road Church BSE or go to our website, www.westroadchurch.org.uk. Thanks for listening and have a great day.